beginning at verse 23. And as we open God's word together, we open our hearts by praying with one another. Lord Jesus, even though our situation today is different than the situation that this preacher in the book of Hebrews was preaching to, you have stayed the same. And so, Holy Spirit, as we open ourselves to this time of particularly listening to your word, and as we prepare our hearts to receive the truth that we hear by coming to your table, Jesus, we pray that your words will take great effect in us that they will transform the way we see one another and ourselves, and most importantly, how we see you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. So we are jumping into a section of Hebrews that is about a larger conversation that the preacher, remember it's a preacher who's preaching to a group of people, the book of Hebrews, a larger section about the priesthood of Jesus Christ. He has described Jesus as a better hope and a better covenant for the people who are gathered and listening to this sermon. And so we pick up while he's in this conversation about why Jesus is a better priest than the way that the people of God had before. So verse 23 of chapter 7. Furthermore, The former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. But he, that is Jesus, holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Consequently, he is able for all time to save those who approach God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. For it was fitting that we should have such a high priest, holy, blameless, undefiled, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. Unlike the other high priests, he has no need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins and then for those of the people. This he did once for all when he offered himself. For the law appoints as high priests those who are subject to weakness. But the word of the oath, which came later than the law, appoints a son who has been made perfect forever. This is the word of the Lord. And that word of oath is a word that's referred to earlier in the sermon where God himself promises that Jesus is the permanent forever high priest for his people. So a few more notes about this community that's gathered. Remember that we talked about how this community is a weary community, a a community that is tired for various reasons, and this sermon that is being preached and given to them is meant to encourage them to take hope, to take comfort, to take strength from these truths about Jesus Christ. And over and over and over in the sermon, the, the preacher points to the greatness and the mystery, and the majesty, and the glory of Jesus. Now, 
Some of them were still trying to figure all this out, and we can't blame them for that. It was a new, new thing. Jesus hadn't been gone that long. And so some of them were still clinging to patterns of behavior and religious practice from their old faith, from Judaism. So, in fact, some of them were still going to make sacrifices through the priest at the temple as a way of kind of covering their bets because they weren't quite sure what they were supposed to be doing anymore because of what Jesus had done and who Jesus was. So, in essence, they're part of this development of a new faith and practice while still practicing an old faith that is deeply in their bones. That sounds a little tiring to me, trying to find your way through. So when the preacher says to them, Jesus is the once-for-all sacrifice, he's saying to them, you don't have to go back to the temple and keep doing that other sacrifice. Because Jesus has done it for you. And he's done it in such a way, because of who he is, that that practice is no longer required. In fact, he has established a new way for God to be united with his people. So take hope. That part of the work is over. Now, if you were trying to live this life of living in two different ways, that might be some good news to you. But we have this thing as being human beings. We tend to prefer having something to do. We tend to prefer having something that we can measure rather than something we can rest in. For all of our talk of busyness, but also craving a vacation and a break, we are a people who are at war because this pattern of behavior is very deep in our bones. And it shows up in a myriad of different ways in faith communities. And so here the preacher gives us this word that tells us all of these ways and patterns and practices and, and steps of being united with Christ can get us lost from seeing Jesus for what he really is. And we can set up our own laws, our own weaknesses in his place. Because this is what the preacher is saying about Jesus. And in case you've been wondering why our people are still up, Today's the reason. Also because it's ordinary time, and these are our ordinary time reminders. The preacher says that in Jesus Christ, we find our union with God. The preacher says that we, so picture the cross as the the symbol we have for Jesus in this space, we pass through Jesus to find our welcome in God's presence. And he uses the present tense. He says, Jesus is able, let's see, where's the verse? Verse 25, Jesus is able for all time to save those who approach God through him. 
since he always lives to make intercession for them. This is the continuous work of God, of having people pass through Jesus to find their welcome in the throne room of heaven before God, our creator. That Jesus is the one who mediates this work of bringing people into union with God by uniting them with himself. That Jesus is the one who does the work of welcoming people into the presence of God. And that his work, his sacrifice on the cross, is enough to cover the multitude of sins. And in fact, this statement about Jesus being enough, it's it's about Jesus, it's not about us. But in our practices today, and a problem that the church has had throughout its history, is that we have looked for ways to draw the line. To separate people from God. Whenever we start to have conversations in the church about what it means to be a Christian, and it's based on humanness, we have missed the mark of what it means for Jesus to be our high priest. We have missed the mark, and we have started with the second part of the conversation and not the first part of the conversation. Let me explain to you how that works. Because in the Old Testament, in the way that God established his people to relate with with him through holiness, it was to make these sacrifices. And the priest would have to, on the Day of Atonement in particular, when he would go into the only day, when he would go into the presence of God and the Holy of Holies, he would have to first do a cleansing work on himself before he could do that. And then in that moment of cleansing work on himself, he would go and make the offering for the people of God as a symbol of that atonement with God. And now the high priest is Jesus who has done that once for all through his work on the cross. And so therefore we are no longer the people, me, no longer the person mediating your reconciliation with God. I'm someone who journeys alongside you in that journey of reconciliation. I don't do it on your behalf because Jesus has taken on that role for us. And he is the one who is the gatekeeper to the presence of God, not any of us. And so the early church was working this out. What does it mean to believe in Jesus? What does it mean? And so throughout the centuries, we came up with these things called creeds, which are the basic picture or definition of what it means to be a Christian. And what are those creeds about? They're not about us or how we live. They are all about who Jesus is. And understanding that if we understand correctly who Jesus is, that does have implications for how we live with one another, how we talk to one another, how we hold one another accountable. So it's not as though our actions don't matter, but that first and foremost, the definition and the identity that we have as believers comes from Jesus Christ and nothing else. 
That is what it means to believe that Jesus is the high priest. The one who has made the way. The one through whom he gathers his people and then has them pass through his righteousness into the presence of God. And it was once for all. And that is why this place is called a table and not an altar. Because Jesus has already done this work. And we remember that with thanksgiving and praise. And he has done this work because we could not. He has done this work because he is pure, because he is holy, because he is blameless and undefiled, because he stayed separate from our sinful ways while he was here. And he is the one who welcomes. And yet we, in particular right now in this day and age, are facing this time where people are trying to redefine Christianity based on some moralistic stuff. And that's not to say that conversations about things shouldn't be happening, but our definition of what it means to be a follower of Jesus comes from being a follower of Jesus. Comes from seeing Jesus as the one who is the gatekeeper, who is the true vine, who is the way, the truth, and the life, who is the light of the world, who is the good shepherd, and who is the bread of life. And what that means for our life is a good conversation and what we are called to as a community to have. But when we start looking at one another and say, oh, you're in a same-sex relationship. You can't be a Christian. Oh, you've been divorced. You can't be a Christian. Oh, you have a substance abuse problem. You can't be a Christian. When we start making those kinds of lines, we forget whose role it is to protect and stand for the holiness of God that the only thing that separates us has been overcome by the only one who could, and that's Jesus. All of those things, our sinning, all of that stuff now is secondary to the one thing about us, which is that we have passed through Jesus and have received his righteousness, and that his once-for-all sacrifice truly was enough for our sinfulness. So instead of us seeing that movement up through the heavens, we, up through Jesus Christ into the heavens, we should see this as a movement downwards. We should see this as people who have been gathered together, who have passed through the goodness of knowing Jesus for our salvation and our justification into a community of people who now seek to be continuously sanctified more and more by being in the presence of Christ, their Savior. We want to be people who don't just pass through the presence of Christ once to know that our salvation for eternity is secure. We want to be people who are continuously putting ourselves into the presence of Jesus Christ to continuously receive that transforming work that he offers to us through the power and presence of his Holy Spirit, to continuously be people who are seeking to be in the presence of our creator God and Father through the mediating work of Jesus, through the practice of spiritual disciplines, through the practices of what it means to be gathered as a community of believers. But we must remember that we are not Jesus. 
And we are not the ones who people have to pass through to receive the Father and all of his goodness. This is the table of welcome. This is the table of that message that Christ's sacrifice truly was once for all and that we commit ourselves to this work of us being continuously reconciled with God and of being part of a community of people who are continuously seeking to be reconciled with God. And we do this because this is the work that God has promised to do. This is the oath, language of covenant, that God has promised that Jesus was and is about. And so we celebrate and we are thankful that someone else has come along to do that for us. Because as one of my colleagues says, if it were up to us, today's sins would overwhelm yesterday's offering to God. The mistakes, not just the mistakes, but the bad choices and decisions with, that I have made with my life even today, and it's not even 11 o'clock, is not enough. Is not enough. Because I seek to live in my own kingdom, and so I need someone who's going to stand in my place. I need someone who is outside of myself going to show me a better way of living. I need someone who is going to show me what pure love looks like. I need someone who's going to show me what mercy and grace looks like. I need someone who can do the hard thing. And I need someone who is going to be by my side who's going to be by my side to continuously show me these things, to continuously show me the way of Christ, to continuously transform me more and more into the likeness of my Savior. And so I do things like come to this table to be reminded of that truth, to be brought into the presence of God Almost in the opposite picture, but it's the same picture. So we have this picture of passing through Jesus to get to heaven. And what do we do at this table? We eat this bread and we drink this cup as reminders and as symbolic gestures of putting Jesus in us. So as we put Jesus in us, it's as though we are passing through Jesus to the presence of God. That's what this is about this table. And we welcome those who believe in Jesus Christ to this table. We follow the traditions of the church for moments when we have gotten that wrong. Think of the Reformation 500 years ago, where we were called to remember as Luther nailed those theses, those 95 things he saw as wrong in the church, as ways that the church had begun to separate and control access to God and said, no, it's the priesthood of all believers. And the priesthood of all believers is not about the access to God because Jesus is the high priest who is the access to God. It is about seeking to be holy people who shine the Christ light to the world so that others might come to know their salvation through Jesus 
Christ. So that others might come and say, what is this life that you live? What is this life that you live? Where does it come from? Where does it come from? It comes from passing through Jesus Christ and seeking to live his way and his righteousness. So let that always be the first thing about us and everyone else we look at. And may we not take on a role that does not belong to us, but rightly praise and thank God who is holy and blameless and undefiled and does this perfectly. If we truly believe that salvation belongs to our God, then we should let him do that work. Amen? So we, we worship and prepare our hearts to come to this table together by singing a particular song that praises God, who is the Lamb, that perfect offering, that one who unites us with our Maker, and who is holy in ways that we will never be.